You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode number 10. Hi everybody, welcome to Therefore Our Geek Podcast, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And today we're going to be talking about Red Shirts. It's a book by John Scalzi. Scalzi, there we go. Yeah. We both read this book, actually. that's what, We kind of set this up because I wasn't going to read it at first. It's a joke on Star Trek and Star Trek is more your thing. Right, so I, I actually found the book through a friend of mine who, who recommended it uh, shortly after I finished reading uh, Ready Player One. And it's got a lot of a, um, Ready Player One's a little more serious, but it's got a lot of the uh, the same kind of uh, sensibility. It's also a short book, which um, I've been into a lot more lately. Uh, I, just, I don't have the time to really put into, you know, 10,000, uh, 10, big lord, a thousand pages of George R. R. Martin or, or something similar, especially at the pace I read. So this was a nice, uh, a nice change of pace. Uh, I picked it up the morning we left Phoenix after Phoenix Comic Con. And uh, rather uncharacteristically of me, I, re- I read it in about uh, 48 hours. Admittedly, I had like four plane rides in, in that time span. <laughs> I'm sure that helped. I found it to be a pretty light book in yeah. terms of an, ac- an actual read. There was nothing nothing too mind-bending about it. No, you know, I would say it's at a pretty average uh, reading level. It's not particularly cerebral. It's not pretentious either. It's just It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tracy, um, since you've read the book more recently, uh, why don't you give us a quick synopsis of of the book itself? Yeah, so um, the book is about four main characters. Um, You've got probably the main character, who's Andrew Dahl, D-A-H-L, and he's been assigned to the Intrepid, which is the flagship of the Universal Union, which is this interplanetary government. That's what I'm looking for. And apparently this is the year 2456. So anyways, so he's assigned to this play with his friend Hanson. And then in the meantime, he meets um, a couple of other people. What's the, Duvall is the... These are all last names, by the way. Um, Duvall is the chick. And then there's a couple of people, Finn and Hester. Um, that, And they're all assigned at the exact same time. And they think it's funny that there's so many of them being assigned to the ship at the same exact time. All these newbies. And then... They go out on their very first away mission and people die and it's really awful. And oh, and they also notice that people, the other more experienced people on the ship uh, disappear whenever any commanding officers are around. And they think that's very shady. And then it kind of, I guess it turns out that um, this is not really a big plot twist, but it turns out that they're basically the characters from a TV show, kind of a really bad TV show. Um, that's being made in 2010, I think, something like that. Anyway, and so whenever the really bad writers on the show kill someone off, somebody in their party dies. And they also notice that, you know, the main characters never die, only the, you know, the red shirts. So that's that's the premise of the whole book. Right, and obviously even, I mean, the name Red Shirts is a, is, is a joke on Star Trek. 
and I'll be honest, it's one actually a joke I didn't get for a long time as a kid. As big a Star Trek fan as I am, <laughs> and you gotta say, I grew up watching the Next Generation. Yeah. And Next Generation, the guys that died were always the guys wearing the gold shirts. Oh uh, well, see, it, there you it go. wasn't it right? It wasn't until I I was a little bit older and I started watching the original series that I realized the guys who always die were the re- guys in the red shirts. Yeah. And that's why it was referred to as red shirting. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was a pretty good book. I enjoyed it. Um, probably not as much as it, I I've watched a few episodes. I I don't even want to say my fair share because I probably in the scheme of no, things I should watch more. No, you're not even close to your fair share. <laughs> but I watched a couple Nowhere of episodes. Near. Um, and I kind of understand some of the humor just because geeks tend to talk about what geeks like. So I've picked up a lot of the the jokes um, without even having to watch a whole lot of the series. So I think it was probably less humorous for me although i still laughed um than it would have been for someone like you who knows pretty much everything about the show seriously right. well, seriously and, and, it's and ridiculous how much you know it's dumb right and, and geek, not only do geeks tend to talk about the things they like star trek is one of those one of those things in geek yeah. culture that has permeated throughout the entirety of it entirety of geek culture yeah so even if you haven't seen that much star trek you get a lot of star trek references just because they're everywhere true story yeah, there are a lot of things that are like that are that obviously are are direct plays on Star Trek. Okay, um, so there was there were a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about because I didn't know if it was actually Star okay, Trek fire or if, away. Yeah. So is there actually a box? Okay, so in the book there's this magical box, and whenever they have a science problem, um, he's in the Xeno. Yeah, xenobiology laboratory on the ship. So whenever they have a problem that they just can't solve, and this could be anything from flesh-eating amoebas to, um, I, I don't even know. It was ridiculous the number of things that, that, and they just put the problem in the box. And it was basically a microwave, and they would turn it on for two minutes. And then they run it up to the front, to the deck, um, where the captain was. And then they would say, we've got it all figured out except this one piece of information. It was vitally important that there was one piece of information missing. And then the captain would just say something random, and that would be the answer. And then, you know, whoever was dying of whatever would would be saved, and that would be it. Right. So that's that's actually making fun of kind of a general plot issue with Star Trek, in that it's episodic television, so in... 42 minutes, you know, an hour, an hour minus commercial. So, you know, for next generation, let's say 42 minutes in 42 minutes, you've got to solve the problem. So there's always that, that sense of time crunch. And frequently it's, Hey, we've got the problem solved except for blank. And the, you know, that's, that's the junior characters doing other side characters. And then the, the chief engineer or, science officer someone will be like oh well of course it's this that's missing solve solve the problem save the day so yeah. so that's it, there is no physical box in star trek that you, that you ever see but it's making fun of that okay. that immediate that that jump in the plot that's kind of what i expected but at the same time it was quite amusing that it was so completely obviously a microwave but it wasn't because it was the box yeah, also Borgovian landworms, that felt really specific. Were there landworms in Star Trek? No, what that that's that's making fun of just kind of sci-fi writers ripping each other off in general. If you remember towards the end, without getting too spoiler heavy here, towards the end they're discussing this with another character. And uh basically it's one of the writers for the show 
And he's, he's like, why does everybody keep bringing up the worms? He's like, I was sick when that happened. It was this other writer. He was obsessed with Dune. He's like, and then my fa- <laughs> one of my, one of my absolute favorite parts of the book was like the Herbert, the Herbert estate almost sued the shit out of us. <laughs> you, you know? So it, it, that, that's what that's getting at. That's is just right. Science fiction ripping each other off all over the place. And, and that's, that is certainly not restricted to just science fiction. Uh, I mean, regular fiction does that as well. Uh, but science fiction, sometimes it's a little more blatant, a little more obvious because it's a little weirder. Well, yeah. And I mean, there's so m- only so many. Um, I mean, we haven't really done a whole lot of it, actual exploring in outer space. So it's really hard for us to imagine brand new things that could possibly be out there. And every time someone does, every time some iconic piece of like alien, the xenomorphs, every time some iconic piece of um, new science fiction pops up, everybody rips it off. Right. But anyway, in general, it was quite funny, especially I really enjoyed, um, I think it was the prequel. I don't even think it was the first chapter. Yeah, the prologue and how he was, he was like, I don't even know why it popped into my head to use my pulse gun. And then he shoots them and then somebody's like, the pulse gun doesn't work on Borgovian landworms. He's like, why the fuck wouldn't it work on Borgovian landworms? Like, that's the one creature in all of the universe that it doesn't work on. It was funny. Right, well, and, that, and that actually introduces um, one of the main, almost the villain of the story, really, the narrative. And the narrative takes over and characters do things that they, that they know are completely idiotic and will lead to their death. But, but the narrative takes over and they can't help themselves but say stupid things and do stupid things. Yeah. And it's funny because the, you know, we get the character's inner, inner monologue and they're like, why the hell did I just say that dumb shit? Like, what, what the hell's the matter with me? And later on, once they realize what's going on, too, they'll, they can actually tell about each other when they stop making any sense. And suddenly, like, they'll completely change their posture and start talking in uh, huge sweeping statements. This must happen. They we have to save the day. So many thousands of people will die, etc. Yeah, and that, that especially they notice that, especially about the um, the senior officers. <laughs> of course, the, Abernathy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, um, to an extent, it, it, the, char- the, 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 the quote-unquote the main characters of, of the TV show um, that they're living in are, are really based on the original Star Trek. Um, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, oh, um, yeah. Scotty. Krasinski, I'm not really sure who he, who he is. Karinsky. Uh, Krasinski Karinsky, is uh, that funny guy from The Office. Right, <laughs> um, so, but I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not really sure who the lieutenant is, but he almost. I almost kind of want to think he's Jordy, in the respect that like Jordy or Ensign Kim from from Voyager, because bad shit used to happen to them all the time. Like like Ensign Kim in Voyager, terrible things would happen to him every damn week. I gotta say, I really at the beginning I didn't really like Kerensky. He kind of came off as a jerk, but I liked him more and more as the story progressed, and then. I still wanted bad things to happen to him. It just, it was funny. <laughs> Everything, like the one moment with him running in the streets of 2010 with his pants off because they right. shoved him into a crate. That was great. And, and actually, and part of what part of what happens is that, you know, that was the, the, the crew realizes, not the crew, but the, the, the book's main characters, our heroes, realize that they're in this, this, this narrative or at least one of them is a theory. 
So they decide to travel back in time to try and stop what's going on, to try and persuade them to not kill people off. The show's creators, the writer and the producers. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, initially they're kind of unsure how to do it, but that's kind of the route they choose to go down. But, I mean, a lot of that is is Star Trek uh, parodies. Uh, That's making fun of Star Trek episodes and things like that. Well, my favorite thing is that they they know that um, part of it is that I, I love their realization that if they hang out with certain key members of the crew, the captain, the chief, the chief engineer, enge- well, chief engineer, the lieutenant, um, and there was somebody else, this chief science officer or something like that. Anyways, if they would hang out, hang out with those four people, then they would be saved. It was only the characters that went in, you know, if they'd go on to a, an, an away mission to a planet, they would split up into two teams and the team that didn't have the major officer would just end up, um, they, either all of them would end up dying or at least some of them would. And so instead of taking that, um, that chance, they would try to make sure that they teamed up with Kerensky or King or Abernathy if he went along. So when they decide to go back into the, into the past and argue with the show's producers, then they make sure to kidnap one of these key crew members and shove him in a crate because they know that they won't explode as long as he's along with, for the ride, which right. is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean the whole the whole time traveling, but especially the the time traveling back in time to the present day, um, that's a as a Star Trek, um, it's happened several times. It was the, the episode, um, uh, original series episode, Assignment Earth. There's a Voyager two part episode called Features End, and then obviously there's Star Trek Four. Well, those are and what. Kinda, oh, sorry, what? Well, kind of all all of those all of those involve traveling back in time. Um, in fact, in Assignment Earth and Star Trek Four, in in a very similar manner to to how the to our, how the the, char- the book's characters do it, um, instead of a black hole, they use the sun. But it's real. It's it's kind of a similar, similarly stupid idea, really. <laughs> well, that is as um, fans of shows that do that. Supernatural did that. Um, that's what they call a meta episode. I'm assuming it's the same ty- type. Well, I mean, no, I mean... Oh, it's not about the show. They're just traveling back in time. Right. Oh. Right, no. So it's and, not and self-aware. Right, so... So, yeah, I mean, I think we have a... We can't really talk about the um, the book here without talking about the concept of it being meta, because it is extremely uh, meta. If you look at Urban Dictionary's uh, spectacular definition, they define meta as... A term, especially in art, used to characterize something that is characteristically self-referential. They used and they yet, used characterization twice. Well, it's Urban Dictionary. We're not. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have to give them credit because that actually is a fairly, a fairly, a fairly good plain English definition. But yeah, I'm sure we could have used, you know, one less characterization. It's just redundant. It's cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the idea is that it's it's self-referential and to a large extent self-aware. I mean, this book is is very much. It knows it's making fun of Star Trek. It knows it's humorous. Obviously, they travel back in time. To, I believe it's probably. I would assume the year the the book was written, if not yeah, maybe not, pub, I, maybe not published. Obviously, you know, there's there's it takes a little bit of time to you know, publish a book, but I, they I actually assume, state the year. I thought it was 2010, but I might be mistaken. Well, no, they state they state the year. I just don't know if that's. I would assume that's also the same year the book is public. The book was written. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of that, and I mean, and just. Like I said about the narrative, 
I lost my thought there for a second. All right, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> the narrative, 2010, the year the book was written. No, it's gone. Okay. It's it's toast. Yeah. So, um, they travel back in time. It's an extremely I agree. both our brains. I am awesome. <laughs> hey, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Uh, oh, we're talking how about, we're talking, Oh wait. We're, well, no, we were talking about be, about being meta, and I think yeah. that's. A aside lot of from, shows aside, do that, or shows and books and stuff. It's it's very well. Oh, and House of Cards it, when they break the fourth wall and it's all you know, chatting well, with the audience and self awareness. To an extent, I would I would actually argue that 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 House of Cards really pulls that more from classical literature. Pulls that from something like Richard the Third. Mm-hmm. Um, if and for those who who are Shakespeare fans now, Richard you know has a number of of asides to the audience. In, in in a similar fashion to the the main character of House of Cards, Kevin Spacey's character, mm-hmm. especially but, well, especially in the fact that he 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 mocks other characters and talks about his plots and plans and things like that. Yeah, but that doesn't make it any less meta. I mean, it's still a very self aware show. It's it's he's understanding that he's speaking to an audience. It, the play is for the audience's um, enjoyment, and he's acknowledging that. I mean, I th- I think so. It's a little more subtle. It's not the. No, I would actually face. say, I would actually say the book is more subtle. This book, uh, in terms of being, in terms of the the method by which it is meta. Well, yeah, it, it doesn't it, address it's, the audience directly ever. Right. Whereas Except I don't know that I don't know that that's necessarily meta. That's just straight up breaking the fourth wall. I don't, oh. It's not self-referential. It's just breaking the fourth wall. Good call. You know, he he's not he's not House of Cards is not referencing House of Cards. All right. It's not making fun of. I see your argument. I don't know if I am swayed by it. But anyway, although I will say that um, probably the most would be that one. And we can talk about this in a second, too. But um, the one chapter where Nick is the who's Nick Weinstein is the writer of the show. And he addresses the Internet about discovering that his characters are real. And I wasn't a huge fan. I thought parts that were that were interesting. Well, first off, I think it was very. There was a, a certain level of social commentary to it, in terms of Nick doesn't know what to do, so he addresses the internet, like that's his go-to. What okay. the fuck do I do? So, so the the story itself kind of ends, and then there are three codas that that wrap up the 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 book that don't deal with the main characters really at all. They are about the characters in 2010 and the effect of everything that happened on them. And, and I and, and it, it's 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 almost a different book at that point. It it, it has changed dramatically. Yeah. And not in a, I, I don't think in a, and I don't I don't think you agree with me but I don't think in a bad way. See whereas I would disagree and say that at that point the story seemed to run out of steam right at the end like within the last couple pages and I thought, "Oh, Please, and I could feel that I had more to go, but it felt like the story was wrapping up. And I thought, don't keep talking. Just just let the story be what it is. It, I've enjoyed the ride so far. And then all of a sudden, I hit these three codas, and I just felt like somebody just burst a balloon with a pin. It was just not, there was no momentum left. And I really didn't, there was nothing in the chapters on their trip back to 2010 that made me care all that much about any of the characters in the 2010 well period. but I, I think this is part of that this goes this goes more into that being self-aware I, I think it and and being 
and addressing the issues like that. Like it's not just the story. It's about I'm having a hard time explaining this one. It's not it's not just about, you know, here's the here's the characters, here's the story. Mm-hmm. There I mean there's more to the story than just than just them. Obviously, I mean, they're being written. So, obviously this the change in 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 what's going on, the change in the writing is going to affect not just the characters, but the people who are doing it. No, and I get that. I do, but I think if the author had somehow and i'm not saying i have the magical solution for this because god knows i have never been published but if if he had given me almost anything in the earlier chapters wherein they go back to 2010 and they're interacting with you know the characters and the or i mean sorry the actors and the writer and the producer there was nothing that made me want to know more about them and if i had wanted to know more about them i think i would have been more receptive to those three codas where it wrapped up this story. Although I will say, I kind of teared up a little bit on the last one with Amanda. Cause right, so I mean, so it, so it did get to you though. I mean, oh, like the one, yeah. It's just the other one, the one with Hester and um, and you know what all happens. I try not to spoil the very end of it, but um, right with Hester, I just I was like, okay, I don't really care. Um, and then with Nix, with with him, you know, first person addressing or second person addressing the internet, I was just not interested really this is kind of boring and i realized that you know discovering that the people you've written and killed off um exist in real life would be traumatizing but i just didn't care but again i don't think i think it's less about less about the writer and more about what he's doing to deal with this what he's addressing i mean he he himself i would call him a throwaway character because he is integral to the plot Weinstein, but you mean? I, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think you need to care about about him for the coda to, to mean something. Well, I'm just saying that I would need to care about him in order for the momentum to continue. And I just felt like we came to the natural end of the story. I was ready for it to be finished. And, oh, look, there's more that really doesn't hold up to the quality that I think the rest of the book had. That's all. Well, and you no, know me. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm much more well, about I will the admit, story I mean, itself. it. Well, but again, I think that's I think it's part of the story. It's just the character may not may not matter as much, but how he how he responds to just the insane uh, insane things that happen do matter. And, and now I will agree that doing him in in three codas it was was a bit bizarre. I'm not going to lie, but I don't I don't see any other good way to try and well I would cha- say change the narrative perspective like they did. Yeah, well, I I would say that I I absolutely see your point. I think it was not a bad idea. It was poorly executed. How's that? I I, I can buy that at least to an extent. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but as as a book up until that point, I was very pleased. I was very. It was a nice little, very gentle ride. You know, um, coasted right through it. Like you said, I mean, I think I read the whole thing in total of two days. There was some space in between. I didn't pick it up for over a weekend. So. And then I, I think I read the first two thirds the first day and then I wrapped up the last third in about two hours while I was bored at work. So, you know, it really just wasn't it wasn't a hard read at all. It was something really enjoyable and, and really easy. A nice afternoon thing. Take it to the beach. That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, and and I, th- I think I'll have I will have a post about this in the not too distant future. Like I said, I'm, I'm really at least at the moment kind of over the giant, you know, epic books 
I am too, but for different reasons. <laughs> well, and, and and you've discussed them. Whereas I'm, I'm perfectly content just having a a smaller story that I can enjoy quickly. Yeah. Move on. I don't want sequels. I don't want the sequel thing. Know. I'm with you on, and that's that's another big whole sidetrack rant thing. Um, where I I just am kind of over the idea of building a brand instead of writing a good story. But that's a completely different topic. No, yeah, I'd love to see you write something about the size of books. As far as characters, did you have any favorites? Did you like Duvall? I was torn on her character. I wasn't sure how much I liked her. She amused me at times, especially when she was trying to, trying to defend uh, sleeping with the lieutenant. True. And, and I kind of felt like she was intentionally the token female. But again, we're, we're talking about being very self-aware. I, I think that was on purpose, but still. She's, eh. But then she annoyed me in exactly the same way that most science fiction female characters annoy me. So I How's guess that? just they don't seem particularly relevant, except for the fact that she happened to be sleeping with Kerensky, which was what allowed them to get him into a crate in the first place. She had nothing to do with the whole story. Like nothing. Did she even meet her? She didn't even meet her actor, actress in when they went back in time. No, but. Uh, Dahl did. Dahl did, yes. Well, I like Dahl. I mean, obviously, he's the main no, character. No, no, I mean, I mean Dahl met her. Oh, he did? I, I completely missed that then. It, it was brief, but I'm fairly certain Dahl met, Dahl met his, uh, met, met, or met her doppelganger. Okay. I'll have to reread that section because I missed that. Um, I thought Kerensky was funny. I thought Kerensky interacting with his actor was hilarious. Um, yeah, that was I, really, that was really <laughs> amusing. And the whole their whole con- the conclusion that the entire rest of the crew jumped to immediately and turned out to be completely not true and he was so upset about it too just thanks for writing on my parade guys uh I th- actually one of my f- absolute favorites is i can't think of the character's name off the top of my head um the one who discovers the narrative jensen who yes jensen the one that hides in the <laughs> he's hiding he hi- in the yeah. cart <laughs> yeah hiding hiding in the in the cargo cart maintenance bay or whatever the seventh one which he hid from the blueprints right so but that but like the first time you meet him like he comes in rants at them for about 30 seconds and walks off and they're like was that a sasquatch what the (laughs) hell was that yeah he was hilarious um also i did appreciate the coda that had his back a little bit of his backstory with his wife um which kind of set up the whole it's the it's kind of the underlying reason for the whole i mean without him they wouldn't have known what was going on at all um i love hester i love finn i love finn and hester and the candied drugs well technically they were candied yeah that was great yeah okay oh 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 and here's here's a big question that i had for you um because i just really i might be just being dense but the very end of the actual story before the coda start Dahl is chatting with Hanson who's been his best friend the whole time and he's the son of somebody rich and he goes I get the feeling that this isn't over I'm still being I feel like my life is being written you don't have any backstory why are you here and Hanson just basically says something like I've already said too much but he hasn't said anything and I was really confused and that's when I started messaging you and saying oh it's a spinoff 
Oh, no, it's not a spinoff. It's a Truman Show. Oh, I don't know what it is. So I was quite frustrated, and I have no idea what they were actually talking about. And I don't, I don't know specifically what they were talking about, honestly. Um, I think that's part of it is that just that there's more that there's, again, it's being, there's still more to this. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a, another book. I don't think it's going to be a spinoff. It's not, it's certainly not a Truman show. I don't think that in any way, shape or form. In fact, that, that thought never, when I was reading it, never crossed my mind. Well, it didn't cross my mind until where he was saying that I'm clearly the main character of someone's show. Doll says this. He's like, unless he's talking about the book, in which case it's like double meta, which is mind blowing. Uh, and and that's distinctly possible. I wouldn't. I would, given how self-aware this book already is, I would not put that past the author at all. But again, I think part of that. Also, I mean, is also just the idea that there's there's more to it. And actually, you know, think about it. Another possibility is the idea that kind of we are all the main character of our own story. Okay, but that's just life, though. Right, but that's a that's a significant a significant part of the book is the is the fact that they are not in control of their own lives. But I, I, I think I, I would say that you were right, except for the fact that he specifically talks about Hanson not having much of a backstory. He's like, everybody else has a backstory. Everybody else had a purpose for being here. You know, Duvall was here just to sleep with Kerensky so we could get him into the crate. Um, Hester was here just so that he could do what he had to do. Again, trying not to spoil here, et cetera. Like everybody had a part to play. Hanson why are you here? And then Hanson just kind of gives him this conspiratorial look and it's like, I've said too much already. And I, oh my gosh, it's just so confusing. I don't know. I don't know what the author's, you know what? I'm about to email this author and be like, what were you talking about? And then we'll see if he answers. Also, I mean, give, given everything that's already in the book, you may be overthinking, you may be over nuking this. It, it may just be something in there just almost as a joke. You know, you've no, but it's like, oh, you have no backstory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've already said too much. You know, you, you never like mess with somebody like that, where like you pretend no, to have a secret. You. You're the one that does that, not me. Well, yeah, I'm a sick, <laughs> sadistic human being, but I'm certain I'm not the only one because I didn't teach myself that. Yeah, but I'm fairly certain at least a portion of it's genetic. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, so I, I, I don't know, and I'm confused, and I seriously. You think I won't? I'm about to email this man and be like, oh, is he coming to New York Comic Con? If he's there, you need to ask him this question. Well, I have no idea. I mean, they've just they've just barely started announcing guests for that. True. Good point. Any favorite moments? Uh, we've already talked about him. I like the whole... I like... I just... I like Kerensky. I think he's funny. He cracks me up. I also like the moments when the, uh, the main characters, Abernathy, King, Kerensky, West, and Hartnell. Those are the... Those are the main ones. Um, when they, they'll kind of like say something. Sometimes I feel like I don't really know everything that goes on on this ship. And everybody kind of laughs about it. Yeah, that's fun. All right. Good times. So I think it's probably about time we go ahead and wrap things up here. I like that idea. So, so what? So what are you into now? Okay. So I have several things. Um, as far as books... I am reading The Name of the Wind, Patrick Rothfuss, which I actually need to hurry because that one's actually a library book. And so I need to read it before it's due. And then I am in the process of picking one of the books that I picked up at Phoenix Comic Con to read because I'm going to review it later this month. And I am into a new comic book series that just started. This is issue number two. It's called MPH, 
as in yes miles per hour and it is written hmm? is that mark millar yes and duncan figredo is doing the art and uh, the story the art on this is pretty good it, i mean it's decent um it's it's slightly coloring book style it's, it's fairly simplistic very um simple lines that's not a bad thing it makes it really easy to um kind of see what's going on which i like i don't like it when i have no idea what's going on um but the story of this is really good i mean mark millar is pretty a pretty decent writer anyway but the dialogue is excellent the story is ha uh, this is not a pun fast-paced and um i've just like flown through two issues so far and i'm really ex- i i don't know whether i want to buy every single one as they come out or if i should wait and get the trade and read it all at one time well it might be a, it might be a mini series um millar's known for those you know, he, he's also the one who wrote kick-ass um mm-hmm. typically typically millar will write in in four to six issue mini series so it's very likely that that that's going to be a, that won't be an ongoing I am looking to see if they have anything in it doesn't say it, I could probably find not. yeah I could probably find somewhere on the internet where it says something like that yeah it, it's gotten nice because um for for a while Millar's health was was pretty rough and he was just having a bad time making deadlines like the the last ep, the last issue of kick ass I think came out like the week the movie premiered oh like, wow no kidding. yeah it was it was a mess but he has since he's since recovered. And his work has gotten significantly, not only is it obviously coming out on time, but it's gotten better. Well, yeah, this it's just really, I think you'd enjoy this too. It, the writing is just really good on this. Um, it was one of the recommendations from um, our friend Santana over at Borderless, and he was spot on. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, so what are you into? Uh, I've, been, I've been doing a, f- a fair amount of stuff here. I've been catching up on... Uh, this the big Marvel summer event, Original Sin, mm. and that's getting that's getting pretty interesting. I've um, heard good I things about that one. I think I'm still an issue behind. Um, I'll probably knock that out tonight because um, I'll be kind of probably bed bedridden after this because I started working out again and my legs are killing me. So, <laughs> like going up going up and down stairs is not really uh, my ideal uh, thing for the night. I just picked up the first of the deluxe hardcovers for. Uh, DMZ, which is an outstanding series if you haven't read it. I have not. Um, oh, no, you haven't. Listeners have not read it. Um, basically, uh, it, it, it takes kind of our current political divides and, and multiplies them enough that uh, the U.S. breaks down into civil war and Manhattan becomes a demilitarized zone. And you f- we follow around a, uh, a young reporter who goes into the DMZ and reports on things that are going on there. Oh, nice! That yeah. sounds horrifying and awesome at the same time. No, it's no, yeah. I mean, terrible things do happen, but the writing is is spectacular. Um, I had a number of the, the the trade paperbacks, and they were nice. But these these new deluxe hardcovers are just gorgeous, and uh, and they're only thirty bucks, which is the cost of two trades, which is coincidentally the number of issues that are in them is two trades worth. So you're really getting a good getting a good bang for your buck and um and just really really well nice. done stories nice uh and i'm also trying to finish up uh still uh neil gaiman's american gods I, f- I finally gotten a little bit a little bit of time to read more of that and it's just i have no idea like how this is going to end or where things are going to go but some really awesome crazy stuff has been going on and it's just a lot of fun 
Nice. And of course, you know, Neil Gaiman's a fantastic writer. Um, I, when this is done, there are several of other of his books that I intend to look into yeah, in, the, in the not too distant future. I've still got the reading list of Doom, which is probably going to cause my bookcase to collapse in the near future. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's getting it's getting ugly. Maybe maybe I'll put a picture in the link dump, but it's it's getting bad. Um. Oh, and the other thing that I was doing recently is I've been binge watching Archer, which it's easy to kind of just put that on and do other things. So. Oh, and the show is ridiculously funny. It's stupid, but it's hilarious. It's st- no, it is absolutely stupid. Uh, I mean, Archer is Archer is like an idiot savant, really. But I didn't realize that Judy Greer is the voice of um. Cheryl Carroll, whatever her name of the day is. And yeah, she's always one of my favorite actresses. She's awesome. I thought Judy Greer was the voice of, oh, what the hell is it? Um, Mallory? Yeah, Mallory Archer. No, that's um, somebody else. And I can't remember. Uh, hang on, hang on. Yeah. We have, I am, we have technology. Why the hell aren't we using it? Technology needs to move faster is what it needs to do. Clearly. Yeah, it's 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 funny take on like an anti-James Bond character. And no, you're, completely you're right. Just, it's uh, dis- Mallory is Jessica Walter. Oh yeah, that's who it was. I knew it started with a J, but then I was like, no, that's Judy Dench, but that's M from James. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways. Right. Um. But yeah, that's a good cast, and they're 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 a funny group and completely dysfunctional. I don't even know why they are still in business. It's stupid. Oh Anyways. yeah. Um. I'm trying to think of any shows I'm trying to watch. I'm drawing a blank. I don't. I don't think there's anything any new shows I'm watching. I can't remember if I mentioned I, fin- I finally did, I finished Agents of Shield. Oh, I'm still a couple episodes behind on that. Ugh. You're not liking it? No, it's not that. It's just that I'm mad that oh, I'm yeah. still a couple <laughs> behind. Okay. Um, I did hear that once it got off the Captain America train, it picked up much. It got much better. So I'm excited about that. And uh, maybe this fall, I was going to say maybe this fall I'll actually be able to watch them as they happen. No, I just um added another class to my lineup, so there's no possible way. I seriously it's insane how much work I'm going to have to do it's all good work but yeah I think that's such a that's about it you know obviously if you like what we do and you like to see more head on over to thereforeageek.com go over to facebook.com slash thereforeageek and like us or if you want to talk to us a little more directly you can hit us up on twitter at thereforeageek or tracy is at Mary Eyes. And don't forget to head on over to iTunes, uh, subscribe, and, you know, leave us a five-star review. Once again, you've been listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, and I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy.